Well, if you open your Bibles again to Luke chapter 23. And um, as I said, um, Easter is approaching and the focus will be surrounded the Lord, about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing um, as I look out into our shops already, it's amazing that I see the, the whole Easter bunny things happening already. You know, you've got the, the yellow flowers, the yellow hats, you've got the, the, the chicks and, and, and all the other stuff that surrounds um, Easter. It's all over Tesco's, it's all over some of the main, the main shops. And it seems to me that the one person that is all important is forgotten about completely and totally during this Easter period. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we open up our Bible, we realize that Jesus is taken. He's probably spent 48 hours not sleeping. After praying in the garden that night, he's taken and arrested. He's tried in the middle of the night, and now he's brought up to this crowd. Pilate brings him out to this crowd. And he says to this crowd, here's this man Jesus. I have looked into his case. I have examined him and there's no charge against him. Nothing that deserves him being put to death. So I will punish him and I will release him. But the crowd cried out, we don't want this man. We want another man. We want Barabbas. And they shouted and they wanted this man, Barabbas. Well, this morning I want us to look at this man, Barabbas, this morning. Because first thing I want to say about Barabbas, the first thing is that he was a man of rebellion. So we read, in our Bible reading, Barabbas had been thrown into prison for, in, for an insurrection in the city and for murder. That word insurrection, at its root, actually means rebellion. Barabbas hated the occupying Romans. He hated the fact that the Roman Empire had taken over Jerusalem and that the Romans was ruling the whole thing. He hated it. And so he actively involved himself in fighting against the government. If Barabbas was living today and he was living in Ireland, he would be a member of the IRA. If he was living in England, he would have travelled over to Syria joined ISIS and came back into the UK wanting to look for a way of, of, of blowing himself up somewhere. That is what Barabbas was like. He was a man who hated the government and wanted to fight back and wanted to cause as much mayhem as possible. And the heart of it was rebellion. Well, when Barabbas was rebelling against the Roman Empire, ultimately, Barabbas was rebelling against God. Because it was God who placed the Roman Empire in Jerusalem at that time. It was God's will 
and God's plan to place the Roman Empire over Jerusalem. Now you say to me, well, how do you know that? How do you know it was God's plan that the Romans should be in Jerusalem at that time? Well, the reason why I know that, there's many reasons, but one reason I will give you this morning. Because in the Old Testament, we read these words. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircled me. They pierced my hands and my feet. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. Psalm 22. That was written over 750 years before Jesus was born. And I want to tell you this. No other nation invented crucifixion at that time when that was written. No other nation invented crucifixion except the Roman Empire. They were the ones who introduced crucifixion in the first place. In fact, they were the only ones who did it. And so 750 years before Jesus was born, we read in the Old Testament, they pierced my hands and my feet. God knew that the Roman Empire was going to be in charge of Jerusalem when Christ was born. And so, when Barabbas rebelled against the Roman Empire, he thought he was rebelling against Rome, but in fact, he was rebelling against God ultimately, because God himself placed the Roman Empire in charge of Jerusalem. Now, the Bible tells me that man, you and me, have rebelled against God as well. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3. As it is written, there is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. I think that includes us at Golding's Church. It certainly includes the preacher this morning. No one has done good. The Bible says we all have turned away. We all have rebelled. We all have sinned against God. That is what the Bible says about you and me. The heart is desperately wicked, the Bible tells me. And at my heart, I have rebelled against God. Kim and I took a drive up to Thaxted um, yesterday. And I went into Thaxted, there's a lovely church near Thaxted, and I went into that church, and I, you know, it's a lovely look around, and I came out, and there's an old man walking past the church. He saw me, and he says, so, hello, young man, he said to me, and I, we got into a conversation. He's 70 years old, and he said to me, um, I asked him, are you a Christian? He goes, no, I'm, I'm not a churchman, he said. I said, well, I'm a believer. But he said something really amazing to me as we talked. He said to me, do you know what he said? This country has lost all its moral values, he said. I said, you're right. He goes, I used to sit down with my children. He used to be a car dealer back in the day. He goes, I used to sit down with my children, and I used to watch only Fools and Horses on TV, he said. Boise, he goes, I love Boise. The boy, he was a dodgy, dodgy car dealer, if you've ever seen the program. 
And he goes, you know, but I could sit down and watch only fools and whores with my children and there'd be no swearing on the box. He said, but now it's all changed. This country has lost its moral value. I heard of a school in Walthamstow just the other day where young teenagers were given t-shirts to wear to walk around the school promoting homosexuality and gay rights. Words on their t-shirt was like things like, um, you know, um, I'm homosexual, get over it. And that was promoted in the schools. You know, um, didn't someone write a song, I believe the children are the future, teach them well and let them lead the way? And what's happening in our schools today, in our teenage schools today, is that children are being indoctrinated against the things, the very thing, the fabric that God has put together. We have become a nation who have rebelled against God. And that includes you and it includes me. And you need to hear me this morning. Because that is the situation that we have found ourselves in. But you know what? Once you rebel against God, other sins follow. You know that. Once you rebel against God, other sins come in. Look at Barabbas. Barabbas rebelled against God. Look what he says. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city, his rebellion, and for murder. This man was a murderer. We don't know how many people he killed, we're not told, but he killed, he took a life of a person who was created in the image of God. Every time you kill somebody, you take away their opportunity of hearing the good news of Jesus. And this man was a murderer. In his rebellion against God, it led him from rebellion to murder. And I want to tell you, Jesus says that he has a father. What Jesus says, you belong to your father. Who was his father? You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer. From the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, speaking about the devil, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen carefully. Satan is not just the father of big sins, like murder. He's a father of small sins, like lying. And Satan himself had a hold of this man Barabbas. And because this man Barabbas rebelled against God, it starts with rebellion, but he opens up a whole doorway of other sins to come in. He ended up murdering. And I want to tell you, when you rebel against God, and all of us have, as the Bible says, we open up the doorway for other things and other sins and other wicked practices to enter into our lives. Look what the John says in his gospel. He says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That pains me when I read that in the Bible. It pains me. 
the whole world is under his control. All you need to do is turn your TV on. All you need to do is go on your internet. All you need to do is pick up your paper. All you need to do is to read something and you will see that everything seems to be under his control. And the sad thing is, you and I in this church are not exempt from his authority and his controlling power over our lives. And Barabbas, that man, he was a man of rebellion. Let's go on. Not only was he a man of rebellion, and I think that speaks so much of men and women today, but also he was a man of death. And by that, I mean that he was a man that was on death row. And you see him here. This man on on death row. He was waiting to be executed. He thought he was clever. He thought he got away with what he got away with. But the authorities laid hold of him. They arrested him and they placed him on death row. Just waiting for the time for him to be crucified. You know, we still have death row in some countries today. We can't make light of it. It's quite a serious thing. Some die by firing squads in some countries. Some die by fatal injections. Back in the day, there was the electric chair. It's miserable business. People being executed. And it must be very hard. Just think, if you was on death row, it must be very hard thinking what you're going to do. What, what's, what's the last book you're going to read? What's the last meal you're going to eat? What's the last conversation you're going to have? It must be very hard being on death row. It's just a horrible thing. And I must say that even though we know that death is a part of life, we hate to think about it. We loathe to think about it. And here lies the problem. Because we don't like talking about death, and because we don't like thinking about death, we're often ill-prepared for it when it happens. We're not prepared for it. To be honest with you, I never thought that I would be sitting in a funeral car last year. But I was. And you know what? One day I'm going to be laying in the back of a funeral car. And that's going to be true. I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you. But often we are ill prepared. And we don't talk about it. We don't want to discuss it with anybody. We want to think that we're going to live forever. But the truth of the matter is that death comes to every single person. And Adam, back in the Bible, we read that Adam was in Adam and Eve was in the garden. And look what God says to Adam and Eve. And the Lord commanded the man, Adam, and he said, you are free to eat from any tree in a garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Sadly, the 
that day that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that very day when they disobeyed God and chose their free will to go against the plan of God, they died. Physically, they didn't die straight away. That day they began to die physically, age began to creep into their life, leading to eventually their physical death. But they died immediately spiritually. As soon as they disobeyed God, as soon as they chose to go their own way and take on what God told them not to touch, as soon as they'd done that, spiritually they were separated from God. That very moment, they were separated. They were dead to God. God had no dealings with them spiritually. They were separated from him because they disobeyed him. They were dead. And the same destiny that the devil has, hell became their destiny as well. Barabbas was not only physically dead, he was spiritually dead as well. And I want to tell you, my dear friends, when a man is on death row in prison somewhere, yes, he might be aiming, going to the electric chair or to the fatal injection room. Yes, physically, he's a dead man walking. But if you do not know Christ and you're in church this morning, you also are a dead man walking. A dead woman walking. You may think you're alive and we will go out to our shops and to our Tesco's and to our boot sales and to our supermarket and we're crowded around people who look like they're living. And physically they are, but they're physically getting older and physically they're decaying and physically they're dying. And one day they will be in the back of a box in a, in a, in a hearse. But spiritually, the crowds are all dead already. I want you to hear me this morning. How awful is our society if they only can pull back the curtain just a little bit to look into eternity. Just pull back the curtain just a little bit of time. Pull it back and look behind the curtain into eternity. They will see so many men and women who are dead. Barabbas was on death row. But Barabbas was dead spiritually. Let me just wrap this message up because not only was he a man of death, but he was a man set free. What an unusual, un, unusual, surprising day for Barabbas that day. Maybe he was having his last meal. Maybe he was reading his book. Maybe he was telling the other prisoners how wonderful life he led, beating up a couple of soldiers. I don't know what he was doing. But suddenly, in the prison cell, he heard, Barabbas! Barabbas! And he must have turned around to his other prisoners. Are they calling me? Surely not. 
Again. Barabbas. Barabbas. And suddenly the prison door flings open. And in comes a Roman soldier. You, Barabbas, you're free to go. He didn't know what was happening. But we do. You see, there was a man standing there. And look what the Bible says. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Even though there was no basis for the charges against Jesus, yet he stands there. Jesus was completely innocent. And yet he stands in the place of a man who was totally guilty. Even though Jesus did nothing wrong, he stands in the place of a man who did everything wrong. Even though Jesus obeyed God, he stands in the place of a man who rebelled against God. Even though Jesus had God as his father, he stands in the place of a man who had the devil as his father. Even though Jesus had a love for all men, he stands in the place of a man who murdered men. Jesus was standing in Barabbas' place. Where Barabbas should be standing Jesus was standing. When Barabbas should be nailed to the cross, Jesus was going to be nailed to the cross. When Barabbas should be found guilty, Jesus was found guilty. When Barabbas was disobeying God, Jesus had his disobedience credited to him. Jesus was standing. And instead of Jesus hearing the words, give us Barabbas, Barabbas. Instead of Jesus hearing this, Jesus heard something else. He heard these words. But they kept on shouting. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And the Bible says that their loud shout was incessantly demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. In closing, two things that I want to say. First of all, Barabbas had his name called by an evil crowd. But let me say this this morning. It is God who calls your name. Not an evil crowd, but it's God who calls your name. How does he call your name? Look what the Bible says. See, I have engraven your name on the palms of my hands. How has Jesus engraven your name on the palm of his hand? I'll tell you how. Your name is engraven with the nail prints that Jesus took for you. That is how your name 
He won't find Susie and, and Malcolm and, and Joseph on the nails. No, on his hand you will see the nail prints. And that will speak of his love for you. Your name is engraven on my hands. And so this morning, even though Barabbas had an evil crowd crying out, Barabbas, Barabbas, God this morning will call your name and say to you, come out from darkness. Come out from your old life. Come out from your stubbornness. Come out from your disobedience. Come out. He will cry out. Come out. And he will call you by name. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is this. That Parabas had nothing to do with his deliverance. He was in prison, wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden, the prison doors flew open, and a man came in and said, You are free to go. He had nothing to do with his deliverance, it was all on the shoulders of Jesus. Even though he was broken, even though he was beaten, even though he was whipped, even though he was kept up all night on a fake trial, he, the weak man standing there, had everything to do with the deliverance of a man in prison. Barabbas had nothing to do with it. And I want to say this morning, you have nothing to do with getting yourself to heaven. You have nothing to do with getting yourself saved. You have nothing to do with making yourself righteous, making yourself fit for God to receive you. You have nothing to do whatsoever. In fact, you're bankrupt and anything you offer will be worthless. I want to tell you, it all falls on the shoulders of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh my God. Someone say hallelujah again. How amazing. It all falls on Jesus' shoulders. Has nothing to do with you. Let me just speak to the Christians here this morning. I hope that some of you non-Christians here have heard that message and realized that you need to make a, a decision. You need to come out from darkness. And you need to make a Conscious choice of laying hold of Christ. But let me speak to the Christians here this morning. Although Jesus' death was free grace. Although Jesus' death was free pardon. It was not cheap. It was free. You had nothing to do with your salvation. But I want to tell you, it was not cheap. The Bible tells me a number of things. The Bible tells me flee from sexual immorality. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, I'm speaking to Christians here today. I want to tell you this morning, you have been bought by God. And the price was Jesus Christ. It was not cheap. His very son was given up. It was not cheap. The Bible said that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was not cheap. Therefore, 
Honour God with your body. We have Christians today who are involved in all kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of wicked sin, and they come to church saying, I'm a Christian. Hallelujah, I'm saved. But flee sexual immorality. Because you've been bought with a price. Honour God with your bodies. What price was you bought with? What was the price? The Bible tells me. For you know they were not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you was redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from our forefathers but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is not with silver or gold. No amount of money no amount of gold, no amount of land, no amount of houses can rescue a man from the grip of death. But only the precious blood of Jesus. A lamb without blemish. That is the price. It's free grace. It's free bar pardon. But it was not cheap. And God will call his church, and I know I'm speaking to the majority of you this morning, he will call his church to come back out of the world, come out of the world, come out of chasing after the things that the world has to offer you. Because all the things of this world will one day perish, will one day fade away. Even your money will bring wings, as the Bible says, and it will fly off one day. Job cries out, naked I came into the world, and naked I will depart. But God says, seek ye first my kingdom. Come on. Seek ye first my kingdom. If you're going to claim to be a Christian, If you're going to claim to be a man or woman who seeks after God, then begin to seek my kingdom. Get serious, get violent, get aggressive, get a hold of the kingdom of God. Why? Because it was purchased for you by the precious blood of Jesus. So I've got a message for the non-Christian here this morning. And I will say to you, God is calling you by name and your name is written on his hands. In fact, it's the nail prints. And he says, this is what I've done for you. Come out. I'm calling you out. You can do nothing for your salvation because i done it all for you. But for the Christian here, I'm calling you back out of the world. I don't want Satan to have you for one more day. I don't want you to be trapped by his lies. No, I want you to be mine. I paid a price for you. You belong to me. Seek after me. Draw near to me. And I want to tell you, when you begin to seek God, you will find him. When you begin to cry out to, to him, he's already listening. In fact, his ear is inclined to your cries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's calling his church. And during this Easter, you're going to hear some messages. You're going to hear things from the word of God that demonstrates how much he loves you. How much he loves you. Oh, the devil is so clever. He will show you bunnies and you will love the cute bunnies. 
He will give you chocolate. And you will love the Easter chocolates and the Easter eggs. He's so clever. And he knows that the fancy glitter will dazzle our eyes. But we don't realize that where true love is found, it is found in Christ. That's what Easter is all about. And when you get a grip of that, my dear friends, when you hear, see the blood, when you see the cross, when you see the broken body, all done for you, you will say, Jesus, I want it all. I want it all. I want you. I want glory. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want you to be Lord and master of my life. I want it all. Come, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be captain. Be governor. Be king. Be Lord of my life. May that be you this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And then Phil can come up because we're going to share communion in a few moments. Let's just bow in prayer. Keep your heads bowed just for a moment or two.